Okay, let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for today. We thank you for the opportunity to gather in fellowship um, before you uh, together with other believers, even across the world. We ask that this evening you grant us insight into your word, grant us utterance in the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, we ask that you grant unto us the experience of your truth in Jesus' name. And I pray that you enable me to speak your word with power, with simplicity, and in truth. Just the same way Jesus Christ would have spoken it if he was here on earth. And let your name be glorified even in the hearts of everyone that uh, will listen to this or is listening to this right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, good day, everyone. Um, and hope we're doing very well. So I just want to start off by recapping. Oh, first of all, today we're looking at um, the three tests of discernment, part two. And last two weeks, we started this conversation on the three tests of discernment. And we looked at uh, two of them last two weeks, right? And the whole idea is that the Bible says we should test all spirits. And we did establish foundationally that not every spirit is of God and not every idea of philosophy sponsored by the spirit of God. So when the Bible says we should test all spirits, it is in it is one uh, a safety measure for us. And be, that is because uh, there are various spirits out there and we have to be able to filter which is the spirit of God and which is not um, the spirit of God. All right. And I, I explained, you know, so, several weeks ago that um, the way you, I, one of the ways you identify spirits is by the, by the um, output of the spirits or by the influences of the spirits, right? So you don't, you don't see spirits with your physical eyes, um, but you recognize spirits by what they propagate. So when you see a philosophy being propagated, there's a spirit uh, responsible for it. When you see people embracing a civilization, there's a spirit responsible for that. And that's one of the ways you can tell the operations of spirits, all right? Um, in fact, one, one of the ways you know, your, one of the ways, you know, the Bible describes spirits are based on their predominant um, characteristics, okay? Um, so we explained all of that. And last two weeks, we, we started off by looking at the first two ways to test spirits. Number one is by the word of God. And the word of God serves as a foundation for us, okay? There is nothing that we we should accept in our lives uh, if it is contrary to the word of God, if it does, if it's not consistent with the um, teachings of scriptures, with the doctrines of scriptures, we should not accept that, okay? Um, second thing we looked at was the character test. So the first one was the word test. The second was the character test. And we said that aside just the, aside comparing the validity of a statement or an experience or um, anything against the word of God, we go further again to look at the character of that thing or that experience or that person. And the whole idea is that every spirit has its character and whatever spirit is in manifestation would, would um, colonize the object to behave like the spirit. So the person under the influence of that spirit would act in the character of that spirit, all right? Um, and that's why you will have to be careful with just embracing um, people because they perform signs and wonders. Uh, we must go further 
to also inspect their character, investigate their character, because no matter how how powerful or spectacular you know somebody works in in quote unquote the miraculous, if it is not of God, the person's character would not be consistent with scriptures. So you see that, for instance, someone is working in miracles, but the person is deep in adultery and fornication or is, is into lies or, or, you know, it's just a cheat and all of that. And when you look at their character, it is a sharp contrast to the anointing, in quotes, that they carry. So that's one way you know whether a person is genuine or not, by observing their character. And everyone who is truly yielded to the Spirit of God and operates by the Spirit of God, you will trace the character of the Spirit in their lives. You will trace humility. You will see love. You will see kindness. You will see um, um, long-suffering. You will see the fruit of the Spirit in the person's life because that is the character of the Spirit that they are submitted to. So every Spirit we yield to would, des would desire to wield its influence on us by um, colonizing us to live according to its character. Okay, so we we looked at this two weeks ago, and, and again, I do encourage us to um, um, go back to the study. It's on YouTube, and it's also on our podcast channel. Uh, the links will be shared before the end of to, uh, today's class. But I want us to go further and look at the third um, test of discernment. That's why we're calling them, all right? And this is the life or the spirit test. Okay. This is the life or the spirit test. I want to start off by reading uh, this scripture, John chapter 6, verse 63. The gospel of John chapter 6, verse 63. John chapter 6, verse 63. This is one of my um one of my favorite verses in the bible okay so john chapter 6 verse 63 says it is the spirit who gives life um another translation says it is the spirit that quickens so every time you every time anybody experiences a quickening or a supply of life then it is the spirit of god that is responsible and i want us to read this very well all right um john 6 verse 63 it is the spirit who gives life so anytime you, anybody wants to make contact with life, they have to make contact with the Spirit of God. Number two is that every time the Spirit of God is in operation, there is an administration of life because it is the Spirit that gives life. It is only the Spirit that can give life. And in the realms of, in the realm of the Spirit, where there are several spirits out there, it is only the Spirit of God that can give life. That's why he's called the quickening spirit or the life-giving spirit. It is only the spirit that can give life. And this is an exclusive experience to the spirit of God. And what this means is that anytime anyone is operating by the spirit of God, you would there's an administration of life. You would perceive the administration of life. And this is why we are calling this um, third test, the test of life or the test, test of the spirits, right? The test, test of life or the test of the spirit. That, and this is what this Bible says, it is the spirit who gives life. So the spirit is the one that is solely responsible for giving life. And what this means is that anytime anyone is speaking by the spirit of God, you there will be a witness of life in your own spirit. There will be a release of life in your own spirit. And you will know that this person is speaking by the spirit of God. The person may not, may not have the best English. 
the person may not even the may not even be the most um uh what's the word now the most um refined person you know the person might not be have the best of you know um uh, pulpit mannerism as it were but when the person speaks you can sense and perceive life coming from the mouth of that person that is one of the ways you know that someone is speaking by the spirit of god and we're going to look at this further but this is super important because the first two this is so powerful just follow me please the first two um tests can be can be um can be adulterated they can it can be copied First of all, the, the, the test of the word, right? Somebody can say everything according to the word of God. In fact, they can quote the word of God and still not be genuine. And how do I know so? When devil was tempting Jesus Christ in the wilderness, the devil quoted the word of God on two occasions. He quoted the scriptures verbatim, and yet he was the devil tempting Jesus. And what I'm saying is that it's possible for you to meet false people that can actually quote the Bible. They actually know the Bible. In fact, they understand the Bible and can manipulate it to gullible people to achieve their own purposes. So the first test can be um, uh, can be counterfeited. Same thing too with the second test, the character test. There are people who are not believers but have, have impeccable character. They have high moral standing. And in case you are doubting this, just take a look at the uh, monks, you know, in, in Asia, all right, Chinese monks, the Japanese monks, these people, you know, pride themselves in self-abstinence. They they might see, they might, they lock themselves, themselves up in a, in a cave or, you know, just one remote place. They don't have any dealings with women. Um, they don't have anything to do. In fact, as much as even the, what they eat, they are very conscious about it. Their character is very, from a moral standpoint, impeccable okay but yet they are not operating by the spirit of god so the second test can also be counterfeited so you can have somebody that is is um is his character is is flawless right but yet the person is not operating by the spirit of god however this this third test cannot be counterfeited the test of life there's no other way life can be counterfeited by the by the devil because it is only the spirit that gives life. And that's what John chapter 6, verse 63 is uh, letting us know that it is the spirit who gives life. So anytime there is an administration of life, it is the spirit of God that's that is responsible for it. And anytime the, the spirit of God is in operation, there will and always will be an administration of life. And this explains why. For instance, you may, again, let me just use, you know, music ministers because um, the common example, you may hear someone sing a particular song and yeah, the person has a wonderful voice. You, the instrumentalists were great. Everything was sound, but there's just still something missing on the inside of you. All right. The lyrics of the songs were great. Everything was fantastic, but yes, there was something missing. And then you have another person sing the same song with everything, but then there's more life in what they are singing. And that life is the part of a ministration that cannot be counterfeited. And so when you're listening to people, and I'm, I mean, I'm, we're not just referring or limiting this to um, when you listen to people preach. I'm saying when you interact with people on a daily basis, at your work, at your place of work, in your house, around your business, wherever it is, Something you should look out for is the administration of life. And somebody doesn't need to talk for life to be released. 
The person's very presence can communicate life. In fact, someone who is operating by the Spirit of God can smile only alone and the smile would administer life. And I'm telling you that this is something that can't be counterfeited by the devil. He may counterfeit the right words. They are very eloquent but deceptive people. They would use, quote the scripture, quote philosophy, quote everything. And I mean, it is mentally stimulating, but yet it's not by the spirit of God. And like I said earlier, there are people that you observe their character and you can't seem to find a fault in them. And you're wondering, ah, yeah, yeah, you almost believe in this person. If maybe the person comes and returns a good, a something that he found, you know, um, on the road and says, oh, I want to just report this to the police. And you're like, wow, this person has a good character. Yet the person might not be operating by the spirit of God. The further test, and this one is, is, you can't fail in this one, is the life test. Where you sense by the, you sense by the oppression of the spirit of God in your spirit, the, what is coming out of the, of a person, whether it is life or not. Okay. So John chapter six, verse 63 says, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. So I've emphasized this enough that it is only the spirit of God that is responsible for administering life. Only the spirit of God. It cannot be counterfeited. All right. Um, Second Corinthians chapter three, verse six, still establishing this as a foundation. Second Corinthians chapter three, verse six. Second Corinthians chapter three and verse six. All right. So look at what the Bible says. Um, and maybe I should read verse five. Let me just start from verse five, second Corinthians chapter three and verse five. All right. Just a minute. I want to be sure. Okay, good. So second Corinthians chapter three, verse five, it says not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of us or not to think anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. Now verse six says, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. The letter kills, but the spirit gives life. The spirit gives life. And this just corroborating what I said earlier, right? And establishing this, that it is only the spirit of God that can give life. And every time the spirit of God is in operation or anytime anyone is operating by the spirit of God or is in tune with the spirit of God, you always sense this life. There's this vitality that comes from them. And you may not have the right words to express it, but it's just life. Is that spiritual virtue that emanates from them that is that is that doesn't come from the physical or your soulish realm. It comes from the spirit realm. And even unbelievers can testify and they may not even have the right words or know all these things that we know, but they can know that ah, this person is a good person. He's And they may just say that with that, this person is a good person. He's a correct person. It's because there's life that is coming out of the person, all right? And I'm saying that the person might not even be quoting scriptures or, or teaching or preaching or even praying, but just the, the very existence and expression of that person communicates life. And it is only the spirit that is responsible for that. So, the only time you see life administered is when the spirit of God is in operation. And this is why it is one of the ways we can test all spirits. You test the presence of life in the spirit in, or in the expression from whatever it is, whether it is a 
person speaking or preaching or it is um a a, a group of people or a gathering whatever it is you can sense light and know if the spirit of god is present or not okay so this is what we want to explore and i'm really i i i i'm looking at my notes and i don't know if i'll be able to uh reach a a logical conclusion but if we're not able to conclude today we would uh we'll have to break it and that's fine yeah but i want us to explore this okay so i want us to go to the book of genesis and look at something from there because we need to see how God designed us to operate originally. We need to see how God designed us to operate from the start. And the book of Genesis gives us the gives us insight into God's original intention. So Genesis chapter two, let us take um, journey a journey, you know, back to the beginning. Genesis chapter two, verse eight, eight and nine. Genesis chapter two verse 8 and 9. And I want to just want us to follow this carefully. I'll read um, verse 8 and 9, and then I'll skip to chapter 16, sorry, verse 16 to 17, and then I'll skip to the next chapter, um, chapter 3, verse 46, but I'll, I'll let you know as I'm, I'm going through. So Genesis chapter 2, we're in verse um, 8, verse 8 and verse 9. The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, so in Eden, God planted a garden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. Verse 9, and out of the ground, the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. I want you to take note of these two descriptions, that every tree God planted was pleasant to the sight and it was good for food. Okay, let's continue. The, the tree of life was also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So in the midst of the garden, there were two trees, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now let's go to verse 16, and we'll read verse 16 and 17. Still the, the same Genesis chapter 2, verse 16. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Out of every tree of the garden you may eat freely. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So God gave man a, a very clear instruction that of all the trees that, that I have made in this, in this garden, I have prepared for you, you can eat any of them. But the tree that is in the middle, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you may not eat from it. Let me confess to you that I think it was just up until last year, and, and I mean this really, all on, it was only up until last year that I actually read the Bible and I saw that it wasn't, it was only one tree God told man not to eat from. I used to think that God told man not to eat from the two trees, that he shouldn't eat from the tree of life and he shouldn't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But only up until up to last year, I was reading my Bible and it just struck me that no, it was actually just one tree that God asked man not to eat from. So man could have eaten from the tree of life and that's fine. In fact, later on in the story, you see that if he had eaten of it, he would have lived forever. And we wouldn't be talking about death, you know, uh, today. But the only tree that God said man shouldn't eat from is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Okay, now let's go to chapter three. Let's continue our journey. Chapter three, verse four and six. 
uh, verse 4 to 6, right? So this is when Satan came to tempt uh, Eve and look at what he said. Verse 4 of chapter 3, Genesis chapter 3. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. And, and, and I, I take for granted that we already know the previous conversation where he asked her, oh, did God say you shouldn't eat of any tree in the garden? You know, such a deceitful, deceitful person. And the woman said, oh, no, no, no. God didn't say we shouldn't eat from any tree. He said we shouldn't eat from the tree um, in the um, the tree in the midst of the garden and all of that. Now, verse four is Satan's response. And he said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open. So the devil was proposing an enlightenment that was that came from disobedience from um, disobedience to God. And let me just say this here that it is not every enlightenment that is of God. It's not every opening of your understanding that is of God. Okay, it is not er every wisdom that is of God. Okay, let's continue reading. For God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Now look at verse 6. So when the woman saw that a tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate as well. All right, and we know the rest of the story. I want to start off by bringing... A, a few points from this story. Um, number one is that look at the way she look at the description in verse verse six about this the the fruit from the um, from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. All right, this fruit it says that the woman saw the tree. Uh, she saw that the tree was good for food. It was pleasant to the eyes and desirable to make one wise. So when she looked at this tree, there are three things that she could see from it. One, it was good for food. It was pleasant to the eyes and it had, it was desirable to make one wise. Um, but when you look at, if you look at this alone, you would think that, oh, maybe this tree was very special in itself. But go back to Genesis chapter two, where we read verse nine. And just look at this again. Look at verse nine. He says, and out of the ground, the Lord God made every tree to grow, every tree grow. And look at it, every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. So every tree in the garden actually was pleasant to the eyes and it was good for food. But you see, there was a third thing that that tree was offering. That's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It was offering a third thing. And the third thing is that it, it was desirable to make one wise. So the real, and, and this just by, uh, what's the word, by... There's a method by elimination. Yes, that's a method in math. By elimination, you can find what the problem is. That if every other tree was pleasant to look at and was good for food, that means they, that wasn't the problem. What the real problem was, was the desirable to make one wise. And that is where the problem is. And this is where we, and I'm going to tie this in what we're talking about today, that the tree in the garden, in the, in the middle of the garden, right, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it was desirable to make one wise. And what this suggests is that it was proposing an intelligence that was independent from God. And I put it this way, that all the trees had fruits that were pleasant to the eyes and good for food. However, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil offered one more thing. 
the ability to make one wise. Okay? This wisdom suggests an intelligence that is separate and independent from God, and that is death. So what this tree was suggesting was a form of enlightenment that was separate from God, that was independent from God. And remember what God said to Adam, right, that if you eat of this tree, you will die. So anything you experience after you eat of this tree is equivalent to death from God's perspective. And I'm going to show you from scriptures, even in the New Testament, all right? Anything you experience after you eat of this tree is what God defines as death. So they ate of the tree and their eyes were open. They were enlightened. They were, they, they were intelligent in a particular dimension. But God referred to that as death. And if you see Romans chapter 8, verse 6, okay? Um, Romans chapter 8, verse 6. Let, let, me, let me show you this from uh, the New Testament. Romans chapter 8, verse 6. And I'm going to read the Amplified Bible because every enlightenment that is independent from God is death. And what, when these people ate of the of that uh, fruit, they became, the, the fact, the Bible says that their eyes were open. And what the opening of their eyes actually meant was they became sensual. Sensual meaning they began to rely on their physical senses to absorb information. And this is a, this was the course that they got themselves into. So look at Romans chapter 8 verse 6. Remember that when they ate of this tree, they became intelligent, but in a particular dimension. So they got an intelligence that was independent from God. And what that meant was that the intelligence they got was reliant on their senses, their physical senses. And you will see that the very next thing was that their eyes were open and they knew they were naked. Okay. Suddenly they knew they were naked. How did they know they were naked? They got that information from their physical senses. They began to feel shame what they never used to feel before. They began to see and make decisions based on their physical senses, what didn't used to happen before. In fact, God, when God came to them, he said to them, um, where are you? And Adam said, oh, we heard your voice, the, the sound of your voice, and we, we hid ourselves. And he said, we hid ourselves because we're naked. The first thing God asked is, who told you you were naked? In other words, where did you get that information from? That is not an information that came from my presence. That's not an information that you would have gotten if you were getting it from me. That is not the way I would have interpreted your current situation if you came to me. So the way you are interpreting your current situation suggests that you are getting this information from something else or from somewhere else. And that was the their, their human senses. And so this is, if I before I read Romans, I know I asked us to open there, but this just shows you how God expects us to operate. They, um, Adam and Eve were, have always been naked in that sense. You know, there, there was nothing that changed about their physical appearance um, when they ate the fruit. They were still the same way before they ate the fruit. That's physically speaking now. They were still the same way before they ate the fru fruit and after they ate the fruit. However, because they ate the fruit, they began to interpret their experience from the from the from their senses, from the knowledge that came from their senses, and that is what the um, the 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 fruit did to them. It made them intelligent in a sensual way, and that intelligence is an independence from the intelligence of God, and that is what God refers to as death. All right. So let's read Romans chapter eight, verse six, and you see exact thing that. Um, um, the Bible speaks about, I want to read this from the Amplified Classic Version, all right? Romans chapter 8, verse 6, it says, Now the mind of the flesh, 
which is sense and reason without the Holy Spirit is death. Death that comprises all the mysteries arising from sin, both here and the, both here and hereafter. But the mind of the Holy Spirit is life and soul peace, both now and forever. So let's take this back again to the beginning. All right. I know this is amplified um, version, so uh, it can be amplified. But I want to break it down. Romans chapter 8 verse 6, that's where we're reading. It says, now the mind of the flesh, and, and it, it defines what the mind of the flesh is. It says, which is sense and reason without the Holy Spirit. And this is exactly what Adam and Eve got themselves into when they ate the fruit and their eyes were open. They were, their eyes were open to an intelligence that was independent of God. And that is what God refers to as, as death. Remember, God said to them that if you eat this fruit, you will die. Meaning anything they experienced after eating the fruit was what God referred to as death. All right. Um, and when they ate the fruit, their eyes were open and they began to interpret their situations based on their physical senses. And that is what the Bible calls death. So when people make deductions or make decisions based on their physical senses, that is an experience of death. In fact, the, you know, the Bible says that there are two trees in the middle of the garden, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That tree of the knowledge of good and evil is equivalent to death because the um, God said when you eat this fruit, eat of this tree, you will die. Meaning that was the tree of death. So one of the ways that God re refers or one of the way God describes death is the knowledge of good and evil. So even in the description of death, there is, there is a good that is under death. And this is why I'm, I'm, I'm trusting God to give me the utterance to explain to you that there is a good that is not life. There is a good that is death. And God didn't design us to live based on the knowledge of good and evil. God designed us to live based on life, meaning that you, you make decisions based on life, not based on whether it is good or it is bad. Do you have a job offered to, to pick? You are not making a decision whether um, we are not making a decision on that job simply because, oh, everything looks good. The pay looks good. The location looks good. The prospect for growth looks good. Everything looks good. No. You go beyond that. And I'm not saying you ignore all of those. No. But I'm saying you go beyond what is good to what is life. And the only way you can experience life is from your spirit. Okay? Is from the weakness of your spirit. And that's why I said this is something that can't be counterfeited. Um, people can, anything that operates in the, in the um, fiscal realm or in the soulish realm can be counterfeited. Um you can someone can memorize the word of God. In fact, my spiritual father told I mean, one day was preaching. He mentioned that his wife's um, um CRK teacher in secondary school, I believe, was a Muslim. Meaning the CRK means for those of you that don't know, CRK means Christian religious knowledge, right? So the person that was teaching Christian religious knowledge in school was a Muslim. Think about that. So the person could cram the, the Bible, could just read what is there and spit it out. It can be counterfeited. When it comes to even character, people can deploy the, um, the strength of their will to have good moral character. And I gave an example about, you know, uh, monks and nuns and all of that. There is, is the latent power of the soul they are deploying. So that can be counterfeited. But when you come to the realm of the spirit, you can't counterfeit what is from God in the spiritual realm. You, it is only the spirit of God that can administer life, okay? And so we test things from that life um, standpoint. Okay, so 
Um, I said also here that the, the two trees represent two possible civilizations, okay? Um, civilizations of intelligence. Intelligence, um, the intelligence of life and the intelligence that comes from good or evil. And I explained to us that from God's perspective, the knowledge of good and evil equals to death, all right? Um, and that is not, you know, from God's perspective, you are either operating under the civilization of death or the civil civilization of life. And, and what, you know, I said, it, let me just go back to something I said, that even under the civilization of death, the tree, the tree God said we should, man should eat from was called the tree of good and evil. So there was a good under that civilization of death that was not from God. And that's what I'm, I'm trying to explain, that it is not every good thing, you know, by our estimation that comes from God. What we call good is not everything good that comes from God. You know, a... A, a young man came to meet Jesus Christ and he said, good master, what should I do to be saved? And Jesus Christ said, you know, um, um, uh, keep all the laws of, 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 that, of Moses. And the man said, oh, I've kept all the laws. And then he said, um, give all that you have to the poor. And the man said, oh, no, 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 he couldn't do it. And he went away. But what Jesus Christ was trying to address in the man was him calling Jesus good without recognizing Jesus as God. And there is a good that people recognize as good that is separate from God, all right? And just a, to break this down and put it in very simple terms, someone may have a quote-unquote a breakthrough um, and then get a lot of money, but that may not be from God. It may not be God's will, all right? Um, someone may, may, get even, may even get married, and marriage is wonderful, but that marriage may not be from God. So you look at it from the external point, it, is a, a, it looks like something that can come from God, but it is not of God. So that there is a good that is not God. And for you to be able to descend beyond just the good, the goodness of things, you must test the spirit or test the test there's the spirit and the life that that spirit um um display dispenses you know towards towards you all right so that and this is a very delicate balance separating good from god okay so i said here that there is good there is a good that is not god i've said that hence we must operate by life because even under death there is there's is a good but it's still under death so we can't operate simply because things are good or, or or not just looking looking at a person for instance and says oh this person is handsome or she's beautiful this that that everything checks out so I'm, I'm i'm going to date or marry this person we must go beyond that to life now i'm going to give us a practical example from scriptures and then we'll extract some points from there but just talking about the fact that there is there is there's a good that is not from god and you see what i mean um, the book of Acts, Acts chapter 16, verse 16 to 19. Acts chapter 16, verse 16 to 19, all right? And this is the story of Paul and Silas uh, when they had an encounter with a particular girl, all right? A particular slave girl, slave girl rather. So let's look at Acts chapter 16, verse 16. The Bible says, and we were on our way to the place of prayer, no, so rather it says, as we were on our way to the place of prayer. And please, I want us to follow this story carefully. As we were on our way to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who was possessed by a spirit of divination. 
So this girl was possessed by a spirit of divination, claiming to foretell, to foretell future events and to discover hidden knowledge. And I'm reading the amplified version, right? So it's a bit uh, descriptive. And she brought her owners much gain by her fortune telling. Verse 17, she kept following Paul and Paul and the rest of us, shouting loudly, these men are the servants of the most high God. They announce to you the way of salvation. Please, I want to ask you a question and I want to pause here. Is there anything she said here that is wrong? Let me read what she said again. These men are the servants of the most high God. They announce to you the way of salvation. Just think about this. There was absolutely nothing she said that was wrong. And if you were a passerby, or maybe if you're a believer without discernment, you would say that this girl, she shouldn't come and join our church because she's already evangelizing, doing evangelism without us, without joining us. In fact, you probably make her the head of your, your evangelism unit because she just saw these two people and said, wow, these people are the most high, are servants of the most high God. They have come to announce the way of salvation. I mean, this is free publicity for Paul and Silas. Remember, Paul and Silas just came into this, um, into this vicinity, into this area. And then just think about this. You are going, you are, you are evangelizing on the streets, sharing tracks. And then one guy just comes and says, look at this. Let me, let's say, let's say, look at this. Um, Nonso, this man, Mr. Nonso, he's the servant of God. He's preaching to you the way of salvation. You call the person and say, come my brother, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. Come and join me. That's what will likely happen, you know? So, and this is why I'm saying that there is a good that is not of God because everything she said was correct, but it was not from the spirit of God. Everything she said was right, but it was not truth. And it was not truth with reference to the spirit of God. And, and I'm saying, making this statement with reference to what we have dis, uh, defined truth to mean. So again, please, if you missed um, the Bible, the beginning of this series, please get it because it lays the foundations for what I'm saying now. So everything she said was accurate. Okay, but let's continue our reading. We are in verse, let's read verse 17 again. She kept following Paul and the rest of us, shouting loudly, these men are the servants of the most high God. They announce to you the way of salvation. Verse 18, and she did this for many days. So if she kept on doing this for me, it wasn't just one day, it was many days. And let me tell you something about the spirit, about, um, the spirit of deception, right? If you are not careful, because of the persistence in their approach, you are likely to embrace them as one of yours. And that's why you need discernment. The fact that somebody is consistently saying something that sounds correct, it doesn't mean you should automatically accept them. You must go beyond what they are saying and even their persistence to test the spirit that is speaking through them. So let's continue verse 18. And she did this for many days, right? Then Paul being sorely annoyed, a translation says Paul was grieved. And I'm going to come back to that. But Paul being sorely annoyed and worn out, turn, turned and said to the spirit within her, I charge you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very moment. And you know the rest of the story, they got into trouble, uh, threw them into jail. And that's why we have the story of, you know, Paul and Silas, praying and singing and you know god delivered them but i want to bring you know extract some things from this from this verse um the first thing is that 
not every right statement is made from the right spirit. Not every right statement is made from the right spirit. And this is an example that somebody may be saying the right things. Also, maybe a lady, for instance, you know, there's a guy around her that is just trying to get her attention. And maybe she has been ignoring the guy. But then on a particular day, she had a very terrible day, maybe a terrible day at work. Things were not just going on well. Her family too, things were you know, not going on fine. And then this guy comes and visits her, buys her, you know, maybe buys her food, sits her down, and even speaks the right word and says, don't worry. This, you know, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. You are just going through a night season. Everything would be fine. You come out shining brighter. You come out bigger, better than you are. Don't let this thing discourage you. I mean, everything the guy is saying is correct. And she looks at the guy and says, in her heart, says, you are the one for me. If I did not know before, now it has proven that you are the one for me. Listen, we must go beyond just the, the correctness of a statement to test the spirit that sponsors the statement or the spirit operating behind the one making the statement. And this is true not only for um, statements, but also for experiences, all right? And this is why we must we we must be what's the word now we must be we must go the extra mile when it comes to discernment we must go the extra mile because i'm telling you if paul did not give this many um give this some days he likely would have just accepted her as as as, as a genuine person okay so first thing is that not every right statement is made from the right spirit so someone, and, and I mean, look at, look at, look at um, um, the temptation of Jesus Christ. Devil came and told Jesus and says, ah, if you are the son of man, tell these stones to become bread, you know. Uh, and again, he came and said, jump down from this mountain for he'll give your angels charge over you. That's what the Bible says. So the devil was making the right statement, but he was clearly from the wrong spirit. So we must go beyond the correctness of, of facts to then test the spirit behind. And the way you test the spirit is by the dispensation of life. How much life is administered from what the person is saying. So beyond just the person saying the right things, is life coming out of what the person is saying? Remember, Jesus Christ said, the words I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. So when Jesus Christ was speaking, it wasn't only, it wasn't only the words that were correct, but life quoted the words and so the people could perceive the life in the words he was he was speaking and i'm saying that when we encounter people we engage with them we must go beyond just hearing how correct their statement is to witnessing and tasting of the life that comes from what they are saying all right so the second thing i said here i want i want to point out is that and, and let me read this in verse uh, sorry, from the New King James Version, verse 18 of um, where, we, where we just read now, Acts chapter 16, verse 18, right? Um, from the old King James, yes, it says, and did and this did she many days, but Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the spirit. So my emphasis is on the fact that Paul was grieved. And this is where we have to pay attention because our spirits know the truth, even when our senses and our bodies may not be aware of the truth. But our spirits, 
You know, the, the Bible says that the spirit of God is like the candle of the Lord, searching it, you know, what part of his belly. All right. So the, 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 our spirit is like, is, is likened to God's such lamp. So when we encounter a person, our spirit searches the, the validity of that person. Okay. And our spirit responds to the true nature of that person, even though the person may look perfect on the outside, say the perfect word, but our spirit, there's something in our spirit that will respond to the spirit of that person. And that's what happened. Paul was grieved. That grievance wasn't, she wasn't, he wasn't grieved because of what she was saying. Because what she was saying was correct. They were actually servants of the Most High God, trying to show these people the way of salvation. So Paul wasn't grieved because of her statement. He was grieved because of the spirit she operated by. And what I'm saying is that we must pay attention to the response of our spirit to people or to situations. And even if, for instance, a, a everything in a job looks okay, but there's something I have that is not allowing us to take the job. Don't silence that nudging in your spirit because that is the truth. They may even tell you, for instance, don't worry, tell us whatever you want your salary to be. Tell us. And you told, told them and they say it's approved. You tell them, they tell you that, um, give us the time you want to resume. And you say, I want to resume in three months. They say, no problem, we'll wait for you. You They tell you um, that, okay, we're going to give you a, a car and we'll give you an official apartment and everything just looks perfect. But yet there's something in your spirit that is not adding up. Or maybe a, 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 a guy comes to you and says, oh, I work here, I do this, I do all of that. You, In fact, he invited you to come for his family dinner. You've met his family, they are happy family. But there's something within you that is not is not clicking. I'm saying that that something is a is an indication of the truth. Do not ignore it. That was what Paul responded to. Paul was grieved in his spirit, and once he, he was dissatisfied, he 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 responded based on what his spirit, the the impulse of his spirit, not not on the correct correctness of the lady's statement. So we must go beyond um, the physical. And check our spirit. What is our spirit really saying? And this is why, you know, the, we, we must be able to quieten the noise on the external. Remember, I said that what is in the physical realm can be counterfeited. What's in the, in the soulish realm can be counterfeited. But what is in the spirit realm cannot be counterfeited. All right. And so we must learn how to quieten our bodies, quieten our, our souls. So that our spirits, the true response of our spirits can find expression. Okay. And that's why it is a very helpful practice to not make decisions in a hurry. All right. Don't be in a haste to make decisions. Someone comes and says, I want to marry you. And I say, I want to marry you. No, 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 no. And the person is not giving you breathing space. I want you. No, no, no. Listen, calm down. Tell the person to wait. And the person is too hasty. You are very likely about to make a mistake. All right. Um, when someone comes and says, there's this investment deal, but we must do it now. And the person is very insistent and just too much pressure. Uh -uh. Tell the person, the person, the person tells you, if you don't do it now, you miss out, you miss out. Be willing to miss out, right? And save yourself, okay? So Paul was grieved in his spirit. And what I'm, the point I'm bringing out, bringing out from here is that you need to pay attention to the impulse of your spirit, all right? To people or to situations. Um, next, something else I want to point here is, and I'm soon, you know, wrapping up, I'm even though I'm not done yet, but I'll, I'll wrap up soon. Um, next I want to bring out here is that when the correct statement is not administering life, it is because it is coming from the wrong spirits. 
when the correct statement is not administering life, it is because it is coming from the wrong spirit. So for instance, what this lady was saying, what this you know slave girl was saying was correct. Paul and Silas, Silas were servants of the Most High God. They've come to show people the way of salvation. But the statement she was making was not, there was no life in what she was saying. And that's what Paul grieved her. And whenever you have ex, um, experiences like this, where the person is saying the right thing, or the person is doing the right thing, or you're in a, in a group of people where everything seems to be right, but there is no life, you can't sense life in your spirit, then it is because it is coming from the wrong spirit. All right? And you have every reason to reject what what is you can you have every reason to reject a a a a good food that is served on a wrong tree. You understand what I mean? Spiritually speaking, now when everything the person is saying or doing is correct, but your you don't still um sense life or your the, your life the the spirit of God in you doesn't or welcome that person or welcome that statement or welcome whatever it is. You have every reason to reject it because we don't live by the knowledge of good and evil. We live by life. That is how God wants us to live by the by the from the tree of of life, not from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. All right. And then verse um, eighteen. Final thing I want to point out from this story is that when Paul was grieved in the spirit, he spoke to the spirit. Look at what happened. Um, let's just read this now. Verse that same verse eighteen. Um, and she did this for many years. Then Paul, being so sorely annoyed and worn out, turned and said to the spirit, "We said to the spirit within her, I charge you in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her.'" And the spirit came out that same moment. Paul did not argue with the girl. Paul did not say, "Why are you saying this now? I don't think what you are saying. There's something about you I don't like. Oh, let me just tell you now. There's the way you are doing. They are following us and saying these things. I don't. There's something about you. No, Paul didn't argue with the girl. Paul rebuked the spirit. And this is the way you should treat things like this. When you are in, when you have encounters or experiences that everything seems right, but yet there's something wrong. You don't argue with those encounters. You rebuke it. Rebuking means you you cast it out of your space or you, you, you leave that space, all right? Depending on what the case is. So if it's a case of, let's say you go to a church and everything, everything seems okay, but you don't agree with it in your spirit. You just carry yourself and you leave. But if it's a case of maybe like this case of Paul now where you can rebuke the spirit, go ahead and rebuke the spirit. You don't, my point is you don't argue with circumstances like this. Okay. All right. So final example before we wrap up. Um, and um, I haven't gotten to where I wanted to arrive at today. So we'll continue it next week. Right. But I'll give us one final example just to buttress that things can be right yet wrong. Meaning the statements can feel okay. Everything being perfect but yet it is not from the spirit of god let us look at math uh sorry mark right mark chapter 8 verse 31 to 33 i want to show you one more example the book of mark the gospel of mark chapter 8 i hope we're learning something i know i've been speaking for a, a while now um i hope we're learning something and please if you are truly learning something just go ahead and type in the comments uh or in the chats one thing you are learning right away you don't have to wait till the end just type right away in the chat something that you are learning okay we're reading mark chapter 8 verse 31 to 33 okay mark chapter 8 verse 31 and look at this uh hold on let me switch my translation i want to read from the good news translation 
Um, just a minute. Good news translation. Okay. Mark chapter 8, verse 31. We said from the good news translation. Then Jesus began to teach his disciples. The son of man must suffer and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law. And he will, be, he will be put to death, but three days later, he will rise to life. He made this very clear to them. Now look at what happened. So Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. If you read the account in the Gospel of Matthew, Peter, you will see that um, Matthew puts this way, that Peter took Jesus aside and began to tell him, God forbid. You can imagine this. He says, heaven forbid it. You will not go through all of this. And I'm going to say something, but let's finish. And he says, uh, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But Jesus turned around, looked at his disciples, and he rebuked Peter, saying, get away from me, Satan. He said, your thoughts do not come from God, but from human nature. Hmm. And there's a lot, there's a few things I want to bring out here. Um, that first of all, look at the last phrase. When Jesus said, your thoughts don't come from God, but from human nature. And one of the purposes of discernment is to separate what truly comes from God versus what comes from human nature. I read a book um, called Final Quest by uh, Rick Joyner, and I really encourage every one of us to read that book. It's called Final Quest by Rick Joyner. Rick Joyner, Rick is spelled R-I-C-K, Joyner is spelled, spelled J-O-Y-N-E-R. All right. So, and in the book, you know, um, he was narrating several encounters he had and experiences with where God took him to heaven and all of that. And he narrated an encounter about with uh, with a, a well, an encounter I had one time. And Jesus Christ made a statement, and this is where I'm going to. In that is the encounter that Jesus Christ said, "Human kindness or human compassion can be as evil as human oppression." if you are not guided by the Spirit, if you are not led by the Spirit. So human kindness or human compassion can be as evil as human oppression if you are not led by the Spirit. And that is very instructive because look at what happened here. Jesus was telling his disciples, um, telling his disciples that I'm going to die, but I'm going to suffer in the hands of the Pharisees and all the teachers of the law, yet I would rise again. And Peter called Jesus Christ aside. You know, the way I, I, I imagine what was going on is like Jesus Christ was talking to disciples and Peter came, took Jesus Christ from his disciples, took him aside, you know, trying to tell him something private and important and began to tell Jesus, began to rebuke Jesus and says, Jesus, you will not go through these things. You know, it's like when somebody say, it's like you tell someone you will not suffer in Jesus' name. You will not die. You will live to declare the works of God. And that comes from a compassionate heart, all right? I mean, with all, with all, um, fairness to Peter. Peter said it because he loved Jesus, right? He was scared. He said, no, Jesus, all these things, you, you will suffer. Say, you will not suffer. You will not, you will not die. You will live to declare the works of God. And Jesus Christ recognized that even though it was Peter's mouth that was speaking, but the spirit that was sponsoring Peter was not the spirit of God. And Peter, and Jesus rebuked, said, rebuked Peter and said, get away from me, said Satan. So this shows again that it is possible for someone to be saying the right thing, but from the wrong spirit. And we must go beyond just the correctness of the statement to investigate the spirit sponsoring th that statement. 
And there's something else I want to bring out here, and I'm going to close on this note. Jesus Christ said, you know, in the Good News translation, the last um, phrase, Jesus said, your thoughts don't come from God, but from human nature. And there are times when our human nature can interfere with the will of God. And we must not let ourselves or we must not let ourselves allow that happen or even other people impose that on us. You know, Peter here was telling Jesus, out of compassion, you will not die. You will stay here. You will live. You will be with us. And that, that compassion, because it was not submitted to the spirit of God, became an instrument in the hand of the devil. And I'm saying that the enemy can use our human nature, whether good or bad, whatever aspect of our human nature, whether the good part or the bad part of our human nature can be a tool in the hands of the devil. And that is why we don't live based on the knowledge of good and evil. We don't live from the tree of good and evil. We live from the tree of life because it is possible for good to become evil once it is not submitted to the Holy Spirit. And I really pray that God grants you insight and understanding um, for, for this. But yes, it is a possibility that a, 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 a mother may look at their child and say, oh, I want my child to go to the best schools. I want my child, you know, to study abroad. I want my child to, to have the latest technology and all of that. But that compassion they have for their child may become the very thing that will rob their child of destiny. So a mother says, for instance, oh, I, I, I love my child. I want my child to stay close to me. Let them, let's be in the same city so I can visit my child always. And that is a, a, a good motherly desire. But that desire may now keep the child from going to where God has prepared the child for. So every, every aspect of human nature can be a tool in the hands of a devil if, it is not, if you are not submitted to God. And that's what we saw in the case of, of Peter, that Peter from his compassion began to tell Jesus, no, you won't die. You won't die. And Jesus Christ said, if I follow you with your compassion, I would, I would forfeit my destiny. And he had to rebuke, rebuke um, Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. And do you observe that Jesus said to, or even though speaking to Peter said, get away from me, Satan. The same way Peter, um, Paul rather looked at the girl and rebuked the spirit. So I'm telling you that there are times when you rebuke the spirit that is speaking, and it's not you, it's not, it's not the person, it's not the it's not the person's fault. The person may be a compassionate person, may be your friend, but then may be a spirit that is speaking through the person. And, and again, this doesn't mean the person is possessed or anything like that, but they have just submitted themselves to the influence of the of a contrary spirit to speak. All right. So there are times when maybe. Your, it might be your wife, your husband, your close friend, that out of out of care for you, they're saying, I see, you know, I love you, but, and, and that's what I'm telling the truth. You, this thing, you can't logically do this thing. There's no way you can achieve this. And I don't want you to start what you cannot finish. And it sounds logically correct, but it is a spirit of fear that is speaking through that person. And, and I'm saying you have to rebuke that spirit. Now, you may not have to rebuke the spirit in the presence of the person, but you must rebuke the spirit nonetheless. Okay. All right. So we're going to have to stop here. Let me just read what I wrote in my notes. Um, I said, yeah, discernment separates the thoughts that come from God versus what comes from human nature. And second thing I wrote here is that the devil can take advantage of any aspect of our human nature that is not submitted to God, either good or bad. And we've seen this, whether it is a bad side of our human nature, greed, um covetousness whatever it is the devil 
readily takes advantage of that part. But I'm saying even the good, quote unquote, the good aspect of our human nature, as long as it is not submitted to God, the devil can take advantage of it. So the question that we are leaving unanswered in today's teaching is, so then how does, how do we, how, this testing, the spirit witnessing that we, we've talked about, how do we know it, okay? How do we sense life from a person or not? And that's a question we would uh, answer next week's Bible study, okay? But I do hope we've learned something, a thing or two uh, from today's Bible study um, about the test of life, okay? The test of life. All right, so I'm going to stop here and uh, let's just say a word of prayer before I take any questions or uh, any further comments, okay? Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you. We thank you because you have called us to live by the Spirit and operate by the activity of life in our spirit. And so, Father, we ask that you, you help us grow in our consciousness and in our acquaintance with the life that you have placed in our inside. Thank you in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. And if there's anyone that is, is about to make a mistake, Lord, in any area, we ask that you alert them. Let their discernment be sharpened in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, dear Lord, for in Jesus' name we've prayed. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Okay. Um. So do we have any questions? I would love to take any questions we may have. Um. You can drop your questions in the chat, uh, especially for those of us on MixLR. Or if you're on Zoom, you can feel free to unmute your mic and just ask your question if you can. Any question uh, based on what we have learned today? Any question? Any question? Um, and as always, if they are, while you're thinking of your questions or alongside that, I also love to hear from us what we have learned today. So please also, you can drop that in your chat. What is something you learned today? What's something you're picking from today's uh, session? What is that one thing? Already I see, thank you, Brandon. So he says um, that it is good does not mean it is from God. But if it's from God, it must surely be good. Absolutely, absolutely correct. Uh, I love the way you put it. That it is good does not mean it is from God. But if it is from God, it must surely be good. And let me just even say something here that even when it doesn't feel good, as long as it is from God, it is good. All right. Uh, the, everything that comes from God is good. Even when it does not feel good, uh, it is it is good. All right. Okay. Um, okay. Thank you. Um, Sister Joy says, I should not discard any unsettlement in my spirit, no matter how good something seems. Absolutely true. No matter how good something seems, if there's an unsettlement in your spirit, please and please and please do not disregard it. And the funny thing is that it's possible for you to, it's possible for you to numb the feeling, numb the sensing, sensation of your spirit um, by ignoring it time and again. Because once you ignore it, you ignore it, you ignore it. After some time, um, your spirit will just become quiet. Okay? And so you have to, you have to be careful not to numb it. 
All right. You have to be careful, careful not to norm it. All right. Thank you very much. Um, let me see anyone on Mixeller. I don't see any comments yet. I don't see any comments yet. Um okay, okay, all right. So thank you for sharing that. Uh, I'm looking for a link to share with us because I want just one major announcement for us. Um uh, and I want us to join our mailing lists, all right? Um, join our mailing list. That's what I'm looking for. So just give me a minute. I'm looking for a particular link. Um, I'm looking for a particular link. Just one second. Let me pull it out. I want us to join our mailing list. And this is the announcement, essentially. Uh, if you haven't joined our mailing list, please, I would love for you to do so. Um... Just a minute. It's coming out, coming out, coming out, coming out. Uh, oops, there you go. All right, yes, I found the link. Okay, good. So I'm dropping this in the chat for us. Please join our mailing list if you haven't done so already. Please do so. And in case you are not sure whether you've done it or not, just join. All right. Um we would, the system will automatically uh, delete any duplicates. Okay, so please join our mailing list. Uh, thank you all for joining today. We'll continue this next week. And I do encourage us to please invite someone, invite a friend, invite a colleague, invite a neighbor, invite a family member, invite someone to join us next week as we will continue this. So we want to look at how the Holy Spirit helps us um, know what is of God or not. And We'll finish this up next week, all right? So thank you for joining us. God bless you all. Do have a wonderful remaining part of your day. I'll leave you with a song by Nathaniel Bass, by, by uh, George, oh, sorry, just a minute. Let me not call it wrongly. By Jometsu, yes, and Nathaniel Bassi. All right, bye guys. Have a wonderful remaining part of your day.